So um, we are also very excited to start a new teaching series today. So we're going to show you just a quick video to get that started. Um, Okay, yeah, so fear is everywhere. So just to prove that point, I'd like you all to take out your phones. I'm serious. Take out your phones. And uh, we're going to do a little poll here to get things started. Now, um, we've never tried this before, so this this is probably going to work, okay? There we go. So here's the thing. I want to know what you most fear... And you can pick two. So read over that list real quick. Pick your top two and how you vote. And we're going to vote right now because we're going to watch it happen. You text this number up here at the top of the screen. And if your fear is heights, you would just text two. Type in that number, two, send. And then if you also want to vote for germs, you just then send another text, seven. Oh, there we go. Someone texted heights. Awesome. Was that you, Mandy? Okay, it's going gonna, it's gonna to populate. Watch this. Look at it go. Now, um, did you get a text back from me? Come on, I wrote a joke. Isn't it kind of funny? So funny. Thank you, Laura. All right, here we go. So no one is afraid of flying or thunder and lightning. Okay. <laughs> it does take a couple seconds to populate. So, wow, this is exciting. Oh, Let's see, who's in the lead? Heights is in the lead? I didn't, I, I'm going to vote. I guarantee you know, my vote is definitely Heights. Eight, one, two. Am I supposed to be talking during this part? Boom, there's another one for Heights. We got to push Heights over the top here, guys. Why are you all afraid of public speaking? It's lazy. <laughs> I love social situations. We're all sitting in a social situation. You're like, this is terrifying. I hate it here. And it's kind of dark. And we released spiders into the room. Just kidding. Oh my goodness. Look at social situations. Oh. None of you ever... Who has to public speak this often? I'm voting for Heights twice. What would be my second? Hmm. Probably Snakes. I'm going snakes. All right. That's pretty cool. I like it. So flying and thunder and lightning. I was thinking thunder and lightning, you know, in a room full of adults, no one would admit that. That's what I was thinking. Um, so that's all the kids who are voting in here. All my kids. All my kids are terrified of thunder and lightning. Okay, i tell you a really funny story about that. So I was trying to prove to Samuel when he was younger that lightning and, lightning and thunder are not scary. They can't hurt you. So I said, Samuel, it's like an awesome lightning storm. And I like to go you know, out and watch it and stuff. And I was like, come on outside. We'll stand under the porch and we'll watch it. It's so cool. And he's like, he's like no, no, no. I was like, come on. I like dragged him out. And we hadn't been out two seconds till a bolt of lightning hit the transformer right in front of our driveway. And it was like an explosion when I was so loud. It was like, and he was like, ah, you know, and ran back inside. And I was like, see, son, lightning can't hurt you. So parenting at its best. Okay, so the winner is social situations. I love it. That's so good. So we, anxiety is, and, and fear is so prevalent. There's so many things for us to be afraid of. J9, can you go to my first slide, please? Guys, I, we asked Janine to do a lot every Sunday. Videos and worship slides and uh, polls and things like that. So um, there's a lot of things that we, that we can fear in life. And here's just a quick uh, 
survey study that was done by Chapman University. They actually do this every year, from what I can tell, so you can go online and look at some other ones. But you can see this, this year, what the things that people are most afraid of. And you can probably find yourself somewhere on that chart, um, you know, financial security or, you know, I'm surprised, you know, medical bills. I'm surprised things about our kids isn't on there. That's interesting to me. Um, there's a lot of environmental stuff. There's some safety issues. And it's interesting the things that disappear too, because if you look back 2016, 2015, there's some other things on there. So fear is a prevalent thing. And in fact, anxiety, and we'll talk more about anxiety later in our series. So this is, we're going to do six weeks on, on overcoming fear and how to be brave. And we're not going to deal with specific fears. We're going to deal with specific tools that God gives us to overcome fear and anxiety. And we're going to spend two weeks specifically on anxiety. Um, it's going to be the fourth and fifth week of the series. So, but an interesting fact that I found is that there's 18% of the population struggles with anxiety, but 40% of that population, the people who do struggle with anxiety, don't get help. So almost a majority of people who are struggling with anxiety on a regular basis either don't know how to get help or feel ashamed to get help. And so we've got a, a bunch of people who are in, in, it's us, we're here. We represent, right, the society. There's people in this room who have never gotten help. There's people in this room who have gotten help, but it's a daily struggle of one fear or another. Just coming here today, and we joked about it, but seriously, coming here today for some of you was a huge act of courage and bravery to overcome the fear of being in public, of being around people, of being close to people. And so the question, though, I want to ask ourselves is, what if we let fear dictate our decisions, because we've all got fear about certain things. So what if we let fear dictate our decisions? So I was thinking back to my life and the things I've been afraid of. So let's say that I listened to my fear. Um, I would never have tried out for soccer. I had a chance to move when I was, when I was 12 years old to move from rec league to travel soccer. I never would have tried out for that because I didn't know anybody on that team and it was terrifying. And if I had listened to my fear and never would have tried out, probably would then would never have tried out for the varsity soccer team in my high school, which was one of the most fun experiences of my life and certainly the sports part of my life. Um, I never would have asked Mandy to marry me. I mean, honestly, that was terrifying to commit to life with one person. Um, it was scary to me. I didn't know, you know, you make these lifelong decisions when you're like, well, not everybody does, but I did when I was 21. What did I know about life? I didn't know anything about life, and yet I'm committing my life to one person. So if I listened to my fear, we never would have gotten married, and that would have been really, really sad because it was one really good decision that I've made. Um, you're supposed to be like clap or awe or something. Come on. Did you, did you give all your juice to Josh when he was up there? Come on. You milked him dry. <laughs> that was so gross. What a weird way to <laughs> just to go past that analogy. That was terrible. Um, okay. Well, other things that I've been afraid of. Um, well, okay. We'll, we'll just get like like really serious here for a second, okay? So, because I want to talk about this a couple of times. So Mandy and I, um, most of you know our story, but some of you might not. We've, we had our three first kids, you know, every two years apart, and then we got pregnant again with our son Malachi. And um, late term in the pregnancy, um, we found out that he died in the womb. And so we had to do the whole delivery process and, you know, hold him and say goodbye to him and bury him. And then... Um, we got pregnant again, and it happened again with our daughter, Hope, which was just about as devastating as, as we could handle at that time, um, and it really rocked our foundation of our faith and our foundation of our lives, 
um, kind of rocked the foundation of Mandy's mental health. Um, and it, was, it was bad. I mean, it was dark, dark times. And yet we held on to our faith and we held on to community. Um, and so there came this time um, a year or two later where, you know, we still felt like we wanted to have one more living child. And, but it was terrifying. And it was, it was, you know, if I think about what was the scariest decision I've ever made, that was it right there. And we, we balked at that for a year. And finally, our therapist at one point said to us, you guys just need to decide. And she said, I wouldn't normally do this to people, but I'm going to give you a week. And you need to decide and you need to just give it to the Lord and move on from that decision because the, the waiting on the decision is just keeping you guys stuck and you're not allowed to move, able to move on in your healing or move on with your lives, really. It was just like we were stuck in this vicious like, circle. We were trapped. And so I'm not, I can't tell you the whole story this morning, but we both individually prayed and we both felt that God spoke to us very clearly that we could, that we should try again. But here's where we were in our fear. So what we ended up doing was we had to face our fear. We had to run towards the fear. What we had been doing is we had been running away from the fear and avoiding it and putting it off and waiting till later. And so we faced the fear. Now we felt like the Lord told us to, to do this, but at the same time, we went in with our eyes wide open. And this is how our faith has changed over the years. We knew that even as the Lord had led us to try again, that that wasn't a guarantee that everything was going to work out. Does, does everybody know that God doesn't always lead us into everything working out? And that's, I'm saying that to myself. You know, I mean, God led us to lead this church, to start this church, but that's no guarantee that like it's going to work out the way that I want it to work out. Sometimes we're just obedient. And we realized, so this, this little baby could, could die, could live. And either way, we're going to continue to worship the Lord. We're going to continue to follow Jesus. And we were, we were blessed to have Eden, who I didn't know was going to be in here while I told this story. But if we had let fear dictate our decisions, Eden wouldn't be here. And she's such a phenomenal part of our family and such an incredible joy. Um, and she, she, of course, has, doesn't replace Hope and Malachi, but she's the next one. She's the addition that we were still waiting for to our family here on earth. And then we get a bigger family when we go to heaven. And so, you know, if you let fear dictate your decisions, what things would you have missed out on? What opportunities? Or maybe you have let fear dictate your decisions and you have missed out on opportunities. Maybe you look back on your life. You know, often when we let fear dictate our decisions, we live with regret then. So I want to talk to you today about what we can do to not let fear hold us back. I was reading a study in psychology today by this guy, Dr. Matt James. He said, a recent article in the New York Observer recently claimed, which I think is a little redundant, and you think he would have caught that. Anyway, claimed that fear is the new normal. Fear influences the choices we make, yet making decisions motivated by fear is flawed, if not dangerous. It will never lead to the healthy, fulfilling lives we crave. Interesting, isn't it? So this isn't just a religious thing. This is true. This is proven through science, if you believe science better than God. Um, so here are six signs that fear is holding you back from that article. Number one, fear sees only the downside. So when you're in a situation and you can only see the negatives, fear is driving you instead of being able to weigh the positive and negative evenly. Fear doesn't let you stop and think it through. There's this sense of urgency that's a false urgency, a false panic. I've got it, you know, it's the fight or flight mentality, but in your decision process. Fear tells us to avoid anything new or unknown. I've got this in me. 
I'm a risk-averse person, and I can tell that fear is telling me to stay away from things that I don't know that I can succeed at or the things that I can control. Fear constricts you rather than expands you. See, here's the thing. We all need experiences that are fearful because they make us bigger. They make us stronger. They stretch us. And once you've been stretched, you know you can handle more. And then you can be stretched again. And if we live in our, you know, I always picture it like a padded cell. You're so safe. Like if I wanted my kids to be safe, I would put them in a padded cell for the rest of their lives and they would never get hurt. Eden and I were walking yesterday. We went to the Brand New Arts Festival and we were walking on some railroad tracks and she was balancing on one of the ties and she was like walking along, walking along and then she slipped and fell and hurt herself and this lady, this older lady walked by and kind of did, dads, do you ever get this when you're alone with the kids? You know, an older lady walks by and gives you the, uh, you don't know how to be a parent speech and she was like, yeah, it's really dangerous walking on those things. That's what happens. You're going to get hurt. Just like walked by. And Eden was more upset by that lady than by falling. And, and I watched what Eden did. I didn't want to give her any instruction, but she was like, all right, got back up on it and kept walking. I was like, that's right. And she was like, that lady shouldn't have said that. I was like, that's right. She shouldn't. You know what? You get a little bit hurt when you try new things, but you also learn, guess what she learned? It didn't kill me. I can keep walking on this thing and a little bit of extra motivation. I'm going to show that lady up. Fear constricts rather than expands you. Fear obscures your intuition. A lot of us have a great intuition, a great sense of where things are moving or, or what we should do or how to make a decision, but our fear makes us doubt ourselves or even keeps us from making any decision at all. I also fall into that camp. And so with Eden, Mandy and I were, were really stuck and we had to face our fear. And that's what I want to talk about today. Step one, and we're going to get into a lot of other stuff throughout this series, but step one is facing our fear. And so I want to talk to you about a story in the Bible about a guy named David. Now, David is one of the most, or probably the most famous king of ancient Israel. And much of the, what we call the Old Testament is devoted to David's reign and rule. And uh, this is a, a popular story. You've probably heard of it. Even if you've never been to church before, you've probably heard of like that. This is a David versus Goliath matchup, you know, if you're into sports. And so this is, you know, David versus Goliath. I'm going to read you a little bit of it and we're going to hopefully learn from it. So this is a thousand years before Jesus was born. A thousand years before Jesus was born. At this moment, David is not king. He's just a boy. So he's probably 18, 19, 20 years old. And he's, a, been, he's kind of raised as a shepherd. And uh, the Israelites are kind of in an ongoing battle with the Philistines. And these Philistines are just a thorn in their flesh. And so here's what happens. A giant nearly 10 feet tall stepped out from the Philistine line into the open. Goliath from Gath. He had a bronze helmet on his head, was dressed in armor, 126 pounds of it. He wore bronze shin guards. Already, I like this guy. He's a soccer player. All right. And, no, no? Not funny? Okay, sorry. Uh, and he carried a bronze sword. His spear was like a fence rail. The spear tip alone weighed over 15 pounds. His shield bearer walked in front of him. When Saul, who was the king, so this is the king currently, and his troops heard his challenge. So what happened is Goliath came out and said, hey, instead of our two armies fighting, I'll fight your best man. Whoever wins, wins. And we'll spare everyone else's lives. Of course, he's this, he's this Goliath of a man. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh, this is terrible. All my jokes are failing. All right. Um, 
that was funny. That one, that one was funny. You have to admit. All right. And so he's been taunting these guys day after day and no one's been doing it. And so they were terrified and they had lost all hope. And this is what fear does to us. Fear appears bigger and scarier and worse than it usually is. And it wants to push us away from confrontation. Fear wants to push us away from facing our fears, from looking at our fear and saying, what am I afraid of? What's the worst that could happen? And wants to push us away. So meanwhile, it's a little bit further This is after David comes. David shows up on the scene. He's like, why is everyone so afraid of this guy? He goes and he starts to talk to the king about attacking and fighting. And so David walks out to fight this guy. All right. The the Philistine uh, kept coming closer and closer to David. He looked at David. He saw that he was a little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome. And he despised him, which lets you know that Goliath probably wasn't glowing with health and handsome. And David said, and he said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine, which is interesting, side note, he didn't have any sticks with him. So I, there's, I could go into a whole lot of commentary about Goliath and what's going on with him and what physical ailments he might have, um, but it's possible that he couldn't see very well, which is also interesting, weapon of choice. Just think about, there's so many layers to this. I, I've read a whole bunch and listened to a whole bunch about this. David, we, we read it and we're like, why did he take a slingshot? By the end of this, you're going to be like, David was so smart to take a slingshot. Well, I, I think this guy's got some eyesight problems. Philistine cursed David, come here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. He's tried to intimidate him. And this is what fear does to us. It says, you are not enough. You are not enough. You're not enough for that social situation. You're not enough for that public speaking engagement. You're not enough for that new job. You don't have what it takes. You're going to fail. I'm going to feed your flesh to the animals. Maybe, maybe fear doesn't say that to you. But your servant, so this is, this is where David's head is during this time. So earlier in the story, the king says, David, you can't handle this guy. And this is what David says. He says, no, listen, I've been facing fear my whole life. That's what I want you to hear. I've been facing my fears. And if we become people who consistently face our fears, the bigger they get, it doesn't matter. Your servant's been keeping his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it would turn on me, I would seize it by its hair, strike it down, and kill it. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. He's saying, I've been facing fears my whole life. God's been faithful. I'm not someone who backs down from a challenge. I'm used to facing my fear. And so as the Philistine moved closer to attack, David ran quickly. He faced his fear. He ran towards his fear. He's doing the opposite of what the entire army is doing. He ran towards him, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead. He fell face down on the ground. All right, pause. Now, I'm hoping at City Light, we have some people here who maybe haven't gone to church before or are skeptical of some of the things in the Bible. And so you're reading this and you're like, oh man, Christian finally went there talking about those stories that just makes no sense. There's no way that's true. Okay, listen, just just hear me out. It's interesting just to think about what possibly could be happening. Um, So I listened to a podcast by this guy who is not a Christian, and he, he's Jewish, and he wrote a book about business based on the true story of David and Goliath, all right? I'm not saying I agree with everything he said, but it's just interesting to think about. So first of all, does everybody know who that guy is? 
Say his name. Andre the what? Oh, so even today in our day and age, we have giants, don't we? We call people giants. Now, I'm going to be totally honest. I can't remember the name of the disease that this guy has. Um, but he has that disease that makes your growth hormone grow out of control. And he was seven foot four. Look how big he was compared to these normal size guys. This, by the way, is how I look when I take my shirt off right there. That's how I look. So, so there's, there's some thought that that's part of the reason why he couldn't see well, that he was growing tall, had grown tall because he had this, I, I wish I remembered the word, but it's escaped my mind. All right. And he was like Andre the Giant. You should go home just for fun and Google some images of Andre the Giant. He was awesome. Best movie he was in, maybe only movie he was in. Princess Pride, that's right. Thank you very much. Okay, so Andre the Giant. And, and side, so he's not like a quick, Andre the Giant wasn't known for his speed, was he? That's why he's carrying, you know, Giant Goliath was carrying these huge things because he's not going to run around you. So David coming out to fight, Saul gave him an opportunity to wear his normal huge armor and take his normal huge sword. And he was like, I can't fight in this. It's too heavy. What if David knew, because he'd fought animals before that were bigger than him what if he knew what i my benefit my advantage is my speed and dexterity also at this time maybe you don't know this but slingshots it wasn't like david was like hmm you know what i'll use i'll create a slingshot i've never seen one before no slingshots were a thing they were used in ancient warfare and if you threw it right it had the stopping power of a 45 caliber gun now, tell me, is it unrealistic that this guy was coming at you and you were armed with that? you think you could handle it? I mean, I'm just saying, David walked into this situation and I believe that God was also on his side. So I, I'm not one of those people who tries to take the miraculous out of every story. But I also think that we can also learn, isn't it so cool that God used David's natural talents that he had cultivated? He's called a warrior already. So he had been through some sort of military training probably where he learned to use the slingshot. He'd been fighting off animals his whole life. And God is on his side. He faces his fear. I just thought that was interesting. If you didn't find it interesting, too bad. So this is what I want to talk about. Lastly, run towards the roar. I read, I listened to another podcast this week. This guy's name is Levi Lusko. And uh, he's got a really uh, amazing and sad story. You can go listen to it on your own if you want to. But he wrote a book and he talks about this phenomenon when lions hunt. And what happens is the male lion roars and the animals that they're hunting, so we'll call it an antelope, runs away from the roar. And that's the wrong way for them to run. Because what they're running towards is an ambush. They're running towards the female lions who are hiding. And so the way for the antelope to live would be if they ran towards the roar. If they would face their fear and run towards the male lion, they would escape. Because the male lion's not a hunter. Isn't that so interesting? I heard that and I was like, I am gonna remember that for the rest of my life. Run towards the roar. When you and I are faced with fear that wants to keep us unable to make decisions, that wants to keep us boxed in instead of stretching out our boundaries, that wants to keep us from living the life that God's called us to live, We need to start running towards the roar. We need to start facing the fear like David. And that's why I highlighted that part of that verse. David ran. He ran towards Goliath. Isn't that so interesting? 
The fear was there. You can't tell me David wasn't afraid. He wasn't nervous. But he ran towards Goliath. He knew that facing his fear was the only way. In fact, David said in his actions, I would rather die facing my fear than live in bondage to my fear. I would rather die facing my fear than live in bondage to my fear. I've been afraid to plant this church for years, guys. Years. And I'll tell you, there's risk involved. There's risk involved uh, financially for our family, if I'm going to be totally vulnerable with that. And it still is a point of fear for me. And even now, even this week, Mandy and I have talked about this. Here's the thing. Even if we don't have the same amount of finances we had at the other place that I was working, it is worth it because we want to run towards this. That's a fear of mine. In a little bit, we're going to pass out cards. I'm going to ask you to write down a fear. Finances is my fear right now. And so I'm just being totally honest with you. And I'm choosing to run towards it and say, we're just going to do this because God wants this church to happen. And I'm not going to let fear hold me back from doing what God wants us to do. So we need to run towards the roar because we would rather face our fear than live in bondage to it. I would rather do this and fail than in 20 years regret that I never tried. We're going to run towards the Lord because we know we're not running alone. Listen, we believe, and if, you don't, if you're not a follower of Jesus, then when you're running towards the roar, often you have people who will run with you. But if you are a follower of Jesus, we believe that God runs with us. David, when he ran out, he didn't say, I come against you in the name of Israel. He said, I come against you in the name of the God of Israel. Because God is with you. You've got your skills and talents and your abilities, just like I talked about David and his skills and talents and abilities. But we have supernatural power from God. We have supernatural wisdom from God. We have supernatural insight from God. Which, by the way, if we never run towards the roar, we'll never see what God can do for us in tight situations. If you play it safe for the rest of your life, if I play it safe for the rest of my life, I'm never going to get a story. I'm never going to have a church call me up out of the blue and donate a huge trailer full of sound equipment and packaging gear for free. I never would have gotten that story. It was probably $70,000, $80,000 worth of stuff given to us for free. If we never started this church, I never would have gotten that story. And now I have that story because when we run towards the roar, we see God do things that are miraculous. You get to see what God will do in tight spaces, what God will do to deliver his people. Now, that doesn't happen every time. I'm not saying you run towards the roar and life's easier. No. Guys, sometimes you run towards the roar and exactly what you feared was going to happen is going to happen. You know? I remember when the second baby, when we were, we were at the um, birth center, and I saw uh, the, the midwife say, oh, you better come in here. And with everything inside me, I didn't want to go in that room. It's like, no. But you could tell. Like, Ugh. It was unbelievable. It was, it was earth shattering. But you know what roar we had to face then? We had to face the roar of grief. We had to look our grief in the eyes one day after another, one day after another, one day after another and say, I'm not going to let grief destroy my faith. I'm not going to let grief destroy my marriage. I'm not going to let grief destroy my parenting or my future. We committed to each other to let each other grieve in our own process, in our own pace. And there were times when it was different and there's still times when it's different. So you got to run towards the roar. It's not always easy, but guys, God is in that. God is running towards your fear. And you can join him. I would rather fail 
running towards that fear than live in bondage to my fear. I just want you to think about that. So we're going to pass out some index cards right now. And all I want you to do during this last song is write down maybe just one fear. Just put it in your pocket and take it home. Put it somewhere for the next six weeks. And as we talk through the different um, ideas and tools that we're going to be giving you, just keep applying it to that fear. Can I have one? I'm going to write one down too. I'm going to write down what I told you I was going to write down. Because we're all in this together, okay? Here's what we're going to do, guys. We're going to do a little response and reflection time. This is how at City Light we end every time. Uh, but once a month we take communion too. So what communion is, if you're not familiar with church, you don't have to do it if you don't want to. But over there on those two little tables, we have uh, little pieces of bread and little cups of juice. And Jesus told us to do this as a symbolic act, remembering that he died on the cross for our sins. That's all it is. And so if you want to take that and sit down at your seat, just remember his, his blood that he shed and his body that was broken for us. It's a powerful, powerful spiritual thing that you can do to connect to Jesus. But at the same time, if it makes you feel uncomfortable, you don't have to do it. We're going to sing one more song. We want to invite you over to the wall over there where it says prayer. We'll have a couple people over there. If you'd like to receive prayer for overcoming fear in your life, we'd love to pray for you today. Or if anybody's sick today, go on over there and let them pray for you and ask God to bring healing into your life. And also don't forget to write down the one roar that you're going to run towards. So let's stand together as we finish out today. God, we thank you so much that you are the overcomer of our fears, God. We thank you that when we run towards the roar, that we aren't running alone, God, that you are with us, that you promise us. In fact, over and over and over again in scripture, do not be afraid for I am with you. God, we thank you, Jesus, that you have not called us to face our fears alone, but to face them with you. You know, if you're here today and you're looking at your life and you're thinking, I don't know, I don't know about my relationship with God. I don't know where I stand with God. I would just encourage you today that today can be a beginning for you. We'd love to invite you to start a relationship with Jesus today. He has literally done it all for us. He died and rose again so that we can be free of the consequences of sin, so we can be free from fear, so that we can live in community with God. And if that's something that you're looking for in your life, man, I want to just encourage you to pray that prayer today, to seek somebody out here that can talk to you more about it. We also have a table over there with more explanation. If you're interested in learning more, we'd love for you to get closer to that decision. So Jesus, we pray for everyone in this room. We all have fear. We pray this week, God, we would begin just to hear from you and be nudged by you towards facing our fears, running towards the roar of God. Amen. Um, which one just remind you real quick on your way out, if, it's, if you're new here today, fill out one of those cards. Stop by the welcome booth on your way out. We'd love to get to know you better and you can grab a free gift as well. Everyone else, please check out the small group tables. Sign up for a small group and join us at Starting Starting Point Express.